You're listening to another hope-filled podcast from Life. For more information about our church, visit lifenz.org. You know, I heard uh, this account of uh, a couple that had been married for a while, and they decided to go to the Holy Land, went to Israel, and uh, brought her mother, his father, her, his mother-in-law, along with them. And uh, they looked throughout some of the, the key sites of Israel and just enjoying everything that was happening. But in fact, uh, his mother-in-law felt really sick and eventually, unfortunately, in Israel, died. And uh, it was just tragic. So they went to, to where she was being held at the funeral parlor. And uh, the director there said to him, they said, well, look, we've looked into it. We're able to send her body back to New Zealand. We're able to send her home, but it's going to cost around about $5,000. Or we can have a special burial here in the Holy Land for 150 And uh, so he said, really, only 150 And I was like, yeah, it's amazing. He went out of the room, thought about it, came back in, said, I've been thinking a lot about what you just said, but uh, I think we want to bring her home. And, of course, the... Uh, the person there in that funeral parlor said, well, well, this is the Holy Land. This would be amazing. He said, yeah, apparently 2,000 years ago, somebody rose from the dead after three days, and I can't afford to risk it. <laughs> That's my dad joke for the day, but uh, it's kind of like, nobody send this to my mother-in-law on the Gold Coast, please. <laughs> you know, when you speak of fatherhood, uh, I think we would all have a different impression as to what that means. Uh, fathers can be the catalyst of so much good, and yet also can also be the catalyst of a lot of pain. I think it's true to say in the world in which we live, there are a lot of people that have never experienced the wonder and security that true fathers can bring. In fact, I, I want to talk a little bit about the responsibility we all have as dads and as people, of looking at the weight of our words, how our lips can produce so much but can challenge so much. In fact, I've discovered you meet someone like Murray Tom and you'll find that his words create the ability to see even if you can't see. Because you come along somebody who is a visionary and they take things seriously, it's amazing how through words you begin to see what could be but what has not eventuated. I think also words can lift any saddened or heavy heart. It can literally take us from where we are today and bring belief and breath back into the core part of our existence. Words can protect the seeds of greatness that we carry within. In other words, of encouragement can help us when we can't see it or it's not happening according to the way we thought it would happen, then Words of encouragement, I have been shocked over the years how many people would look to me as a father and maybe I've just said hi in a foyer because the power of words can bring hope and uncover greatness and literally cause us to begin to walk a path we've never walked before. But words also can destroy in a moment what has been built in a decade. And I would say that some of us, you may be up at north today or down south or here in central, some of us are carrying wounds of words that have destroyed the heart of your Father God that created you for so much more than you could ever even carry in your human capacity. Somebody said, talk may be cheap, but, they hold, but words hold extreme power. 
And I think today what we want to do is change it up. I've asked three different people just to share a couple of thoughts of their story. So I'm going to ask James Hanna to come here in Central and share how that word shaped him, gave him the ability to start again. Come on, let's give James a real hand as he comes. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Um, When I was about 12 or 13, I made it onto the Hamilton Rep cricket team. Wasn't actually that great. I don't know if there are many kids that play cricket in Hamilton. It was definitely the kind of sport you could get uh, beaten up for at Melville Intermediate, where I went. Um, But one day we were playing Auckland, and I was an opening batsman. And I walked out to the pitch, and I saw the bowler. I was facing the first ball of the whole match. And uh, I saw the bowler run down. He was huge. And uh, I just saw him. He came out. I didn't see the ball, but I heard the wickets. And I got clean bowled first ball of the whole match. Thanks for laughing. (laughs) Um, In cricket, that's called a royal duck. And uh, as I walked back to my team on the boundary line, I felt I was so embarrassed. And I just felt useless. In fact, I remember telling myself that. Oh, you're useless. Um, And I quit cricket after that. I never played another proper game of cricket. Um, See, I tried when I was growing up to be good at something. I wanted to be good at something. I wanted to prove myself. And I tried everything. I tried cricket, soccer. I didn't try rugby because I would have been killed. Um, I I even tried darts. But um, nothing seemed to stick. Um, I would try for a little bit. I'd do okay. And then... um, and then something bad would, go, would happen, and it was usually the words of someone else that, uh, that made me quit, made me stop. And when I was 14, I uh, started playing the guitar, and I would practice every day when I got home from school, practice in my room. Now, my siblings weren't the most encouraging people when I was growing up either, so they would yell out from their rooms, you know, play another song, you know, you know anything else? And um, it, again, it made me want to quit. I questioned whether I was good enough. And um, around that time, two really significant things happened for me. Number one was I started going to a Youth for Christ youth group with a friend. And two, my grandmother found out about it and bought me a Bible, a really beautiful Bible. And I very quickly discovered a verse in there that I've carried my whole life. And it's Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It's a bit of a classic. And it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Now, I don't know, I, I was quite easy with that as a 14-year-old kid and trusting God because I'd leant on my own understanding for a while and it kind of got me nowhere. Um, at youth group, I had a youth leader. His name was Clint, Clint Harris. And uh, he was a great guy, and he would take the time to encourage me anytime he could on the guitar. He'd be like, man, that sounds awesome. Uh, he said to me once, you know, you pick up things really fast. And I was like, yeah. And uh, he asked me once, he was singing a song at church. He had a really good voice. And he was singing a song at church, and he said, and he said to me, he goes, oh, I'm singing a song at church, and I'd really like you to play guitar. Would you play guitar with me? And I was blown away that he would ask me to play guitar for him. A couple of years later, uh, we had started a little band together, um, and we got some friends on board, and we called that band Late 80s Mercedes, and um, we are still together as a band today, almost 20 years after that. Crazy, eh? 
We've played all over New Zealand. We've played internationally. We uh, got an album to number one in the iTunes charts for 12 hours. And we've written songs and had a great time together. In fact, music has been such an amazing God-given part of my life. And uh, I've, I've played in bands. I've played in churches. I was on team here at Life for many years. Um, I've written music. I wrote two songs that got onto a TV show called The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. I don't even know how that happened. But uh, I, I have just loved that. But it, it might not have happened if it wasn't for the words of encouragement from people in my life who encouraged me and helped me to grow. I, I might not be here. I might have quit. I might have lent on my own understanding and just given up. It took the deliberate encouragement of a youth leader of a faithful grandmother, of the Word of God, to shape who I am today. Great, buddy. So cool. Yeah, I believe it was Mother Teresa who said these words, kind words can be short and easy to speak, but their echo is truly endless. And I think for us to become the kind of men, kind of people that God wants us to be, He wants us to be people that understand the power of words. You go to Proverbs 18 and verse 20, it says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth, from the literal produce of his lips will he be fulfilled. And then these words, death and life, verse 21, are in the power of the tongue. I'm not sure. I think sometimes we're going through some pretty deep waters and seasons and things just don't seem to be working and they could actually have a root system in the words that have been spoken over us. Even the words we speak over ourselves, I know what that is, is to have a lack of confidence in my early years to be what God called me to be and yet death and life are in the power of the tongue. Imagine if we just put a filter on our tongue. In fact, James says, if you can bridle your tongue, you can bridle your whole body. You begin to talk the right way and realize what can and will happen. There was an account back in 1992 in the highest mountain in Seattle where two climbers were up in the snow, Jim Davidson and a guy called Mike Price. And they were wanting to scale the mountain. And yet what happened on their way, the two climbers fell 80 feet through a snow bridge. They couldn't see that there was a crevasse that was covered with snow, 80 feet down. And unfortunately, Mike passed away. And what happened as a result, Jim found his way through the darkness out of this crevasse right to the top again. And he, in his book called The Ledge, or yeah, The Ledge, he said, The thing that got me from the darkness and the knowledge that my best friend had died was the echo of the words of my father when I was a boy, saying, you can, and would always take me to things that I didn't believe I could do, and yet would say, you can. And so those words there in my darkness is what caused him to climb out and then to credit the fact of the words of his dad that had this continual echo. I think today, for all of us, there are numbers of words that lift us, but there were five phrases that came into my heart that I believe we need to understand. We have a Father in heaven that speaks these words over us, and that we should be the carriers of these words to all of humanity. The first is this one, I believe in you. 
I believe in you. I believe in you. There is a God, there is a Father in heaven. Maybe you've never met or maybe you feel like he's angry with you, but the opposite is the truth. He's saying, I believe in you. In fact, the Bible, his book says this in verse 9 of 1 Corinthians 2. It says that your eye has not seen, my eye has never ever seen, my ears have never heard, my heart has never carried the things that God has prepared for me. So therefore, I've got to accept that God believes in me when I don't believe in myself. God believes in me. When my dad was still alive, I remember when we came to New Zealand, started what is now life 28 years ago, and uh, both Marie and I felt inadequate. We were obedient to God's call, but we didn't feel like we could. And dad would get around Marie particularly all the time and says, you can do it, girly. You can do it, girly. It's like, I believe in you. I believe in you. And she would come and she even said after dad's death, it's like, that's what stayed with her. You can do it, girly. He used to say to me all the time, there's only one captain in the ship because he saw my challenge in the early years is I want to make everybody happy. And it's kind of like, not everybody's going to be happy, but you got to do what God called you to do. And you haven't fought to be that. God's given you that. So come on, be the captain. You can't have multiple captains of a ship and go anywhere. And I thank God that we've had that kind of input. I believe in you today. Maybe you're here on Father's Day for one simple reason, to know there's a God in heaven that believes in you. You say, yeah, but I know who I am. God knows who you are, but God believes in you. We're going to go down to south, and I'm going to ask Mason Lee just to share a little bit of his journey when it comes to words. Thanks, Mason. Good morning, Papa. Welcome home. Everybody, I've been asked to speak, and so before, before I start, I'm going to simply say this. We all get to choose what we say. And what we say has a lot of power, depending on how we say it and the intent behind it. It has the power to do two things, to create or to destroy. So 23 years ago, my story is about work. And the significant words that were spoken over me that still resonate in my spirit today and is one of the reasons why I am, I am in the position that I am in today in terms of work. And that was, I had a managing director that I had only been with the company for three months, but there was a major project that he needed somebody to do. Unfortunately, that somebody was me. Now, when he first asked me, it was to move the company from a premise of 30 years into a new premise that needed to be completely out, outfitted. I questioned him within myself and said, well, why me? What have I got to give? What do I have to offer? The reality, and it's just like Christ, when we become before Christ, Christ doesn't see us for where we are right now, but he sees us for where we should be. But the reality is, is we need to accept that God sees something bigger than perhaps what we see right now. And it's about being able to step into that and trust and believe that the words that are coming to you are there to uplift you and to build you because the person speaking them sees something that maybe you don't see at this time, at that moment. The reality is God has predestined everything about our lives and all we need to do is we need to step into it. We need to believe Him. We need to trust Him. And we need to know that God is for us. So as it transpired, I was able to move the whole business across to the other building. 
But again, look, it wasn't just about that. It was the fact that a person, a man spoke into my life and gave me, basically activated something that he saw in me that I didn't actually see for myself. Every single one of us has been given a word to speak to somebody else. And that word should be about lifting somebody, inspire somebody, believing in somebody, trusting them to get out of where they are right now in that situation and to move into their God purpose, to move into their God shape. But we need to make sure that when that word comes, we release it to them. My boss, Murray, he saw something in me that I didn't even see myself. God sees the same thing in you. He believes in you. He trusts you. He knows your future. We just need to walk into it. And just as the example I've given, without him, his voice still resonates in my life. He became a father figure to me, not just a boss that transferred from being a boss to now being a mentor that I go back to when I'm a little bit stuck with things and I can't understand things or in my own uh, business life, what is the next stage? There's a lot of development that's involved, but the reality, without him speaking those words 23 years ago, I wouldn't be here today, standing up on this platform, speaking about the power of words. Proverbs 18.21 says, we have the most powerful weapon, and it's this, our mouths. What are you speaking today? What are we speaking today? Is it speaking a life, life message? Is it creating, or is it destroying? If I didn't have him to speak into my life, I wouldn't be where I am today. And you know what? We're all given those God moments to speak into somebody's life. If God prompts you, just like last week when I heard about Jeremy and being led by the Holy Spirit, young Jeremy was on his way to university, and he walked past a young guy, and God prompted him, I want you to go speak to that complete stranger. I want you to say this to him. Didn't even know him. But in obedience, Jeremy stepped out. He spoke to this young man. And then from there, the young man just looked at him. And he was filled. But he was more, he was touched. Because this Jeremy spoke a word that God wanted him to speak into this young person. So my question to you is, what are you speaking? Is it life or is it death? Thank you. Thanks, Mason. Wonderful. The words, I believe in you, cause us to reach further. What about the words, I'm proud of you? I think for me, my journey as a parent was that I discovered my children weren't all like me. And sometimes we base the sense of our affirmation that we're proud of somebody on who we are rather than who they are. I think we can spend most of our lives living in comparison with someone that's more gifted, more able. And yet God has designed you to be you. And again, wherever we are on the journey of life, whatever season we find ourselves in, to hear from heaven these words from our heavenly father that he's proud of us. You would have heard this verse. It's powerful in Matthew 3 and verse 17, where it says, Jesus being baptized, suddenly there was a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son. And I'm proud of him. I'm well pleased. And when you think about the timing of that, the ministry of Jesus hadn't begun. So the sense of being, uh, in, in being proud of his son was not based on accomplishment. It was based on obedience. 
And I think for all of us, just we've got to watch out that we can live lives less than thinking that we have to be able to achieve A, B, and C before God's proud of us. Rather than God's proud of you right here and right now. And to be able to say to people that are on the journey, like we heard earlier on from James, that as he was a fledgling musician with somebody who was really great, there was that sense, I'm proud of you, you could join me. And we can unlock so much more. Uh, I think the voice of a father brings security, it brings strength, it, it brings the ability to go, hey, I could do something with my life. And I believe that children do a lot better academically, according to statistics. They reach higher when they have the voice of a father. You do a little bit of research in 1960, about 5% of children didn't have a father's voice. Today, it's over 40%. And there is an enemy at work that wants to remove fatherhood because it reflects what happens when a father speaks. It doesn't undermine the wonder of what a, a wife or a mother brings, but there is something about a father's voice that when they say, I believe in you and I'm proud of you, that you begin to lift yourself to places that you've never been before. Author by the name of Joe Pellegrino, I don't know if he's got a business in the water industry or not, but he said uh, he discovered it's never too late to let your children know that you love them. In fact, he said when his son Joey, who was very little, Joe, the dad, taught Joey how to play baseball. And as a challenge, he said, Joey, the moment you can hit that ball over my head, we're going to go to the shop and I'm going to buy you that Lego pirate ship you've been waiting. All that Joe remembers is the story was a little different. He said that I'm sure I hit it over his head, but of course, dad sees it differently. Well, Joey would say, you never brought me, dad, that ship. Joe would answer, well, you never hit the ball over my head. Back and forth, this would go on. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Well, years later, he writes in the book that when Joey was 24 years of age, he went and visited a Walmart, Joe did the dad, and cut through the toy department on a way to go somewhere else, and he passed by the Lego station, and he saw the newest version of the pirate ship. As soon as, as, soon as he saw it, the thought struck him, who cares whether he hit the ball over my head? So he bought the pirate ship, and he gave it to him with a card he had written on. Dear Joey, forgive me for being so late with this gift. I've witnessed a lot more home runs in your life, and I'm proud of you. Love, Dad. I reckon we're all going to get to heaven thinking that we've got to earn God's love through what we do and only discover that he always was proud of us. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. What about this one? I love you. I think sometimes we demonstrate the love we have for each other in the things we do, but the words I love you are the words that unwrap every plan of the enemy. Again, the scripture in Romans 8, if you want to look, Paul writes and he says, I've come to discover it and now I'm persuaded that nothing, death or life, principalities, powers, height, depth, created things, nothing can separate me from a father that loves me. I wonder how different our lives would look if we just accepted that God loves us. And again, you could be here on Father's Day 2019 and you're here, you're up at North sitting in one of the seats and God's just saying, I love you. I believe in you. I'm proud of you. Again in South or here in Central and you may not be a churchgoer, but God still echoes to you, I love you. 
latter years of my life, I see it extremely important for me to communicate to my children and my grandchildren that I love you. All of us need words that change the way that we look at life. In fact, there was a woman that was trapped in sexual compromise. Her life had been that. I think today we have the same thing happening globally. There is so much sexual compromise, but a lot of people don't stop to unwrap it and say, why is that? And I think it's because we're longing for intimacy. And the answer is not trying to stop what we think is wrong or the Bible says is not the best for us. The answer is knowing that God loves us. That intimacy can't be found in a human relationship to the depth of the need. It can only be found with an experience of a God that loves us. And God does love us. But here's the next words. Not only do I love you, but I forgive you. It's kind of like you can never find yourself in a place of human living where God can't forgive you. In fact, it was the religious that brought the woman to Jesus. They said, well, the law says she should be stoned. Jesus just stooped and wrote in the sand. We don't know what he wrote. Many people think he wrote their sins. So one by one, they left anyway, and he's there with her, and he says, where are those that condemn you? Neither do I condemn you. Your key is to live free of sin, and you'll live free. So go and sin no more. You're not held according to your past. Again, today, I'm telling you, God wants you to know that he forgives you. There is power in forgiveness that relates so deeply and changes us. I was reading again this week, Psalm 105. The Bible says that God takes our sin and he removes it as far as the east is from the west. So in other words, he doesn't move it to a place. He removes it on this ongoing. And again, we can remember the sin because we have a memory, but God removes the sin. And so we too need to be quick to say, I forgive you. Because you who have or are without sin, you get to throw the first stone. They knew that none of them were. And I think that's the posture of the kingdom. Can you say amen to that? And then I'm with you. I love the power of knowing that I've got a father that's with me. I'm there. I'm holding the bike as you're biking. And if you sway to the left or the right, I've got it because you've never done that. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So that we can say the Lord is our helper. In other words, it doesn't matter what people do to us, he's with me. Maybe walk out this week and say, thank God you're with me. Come on, ring your children today and say, I'm with you. Yeah, but they've done all this stuff. No, I'm with you. I'm backing you. I'm believing in you. I love you. I care for you. I'm proud of you. I'm with you. And God is saying, when you know I'm with you, you're going to begin to walk with your head held high. There's going to be a new internal confidence. Well, we're going to go to North, and I'm going to ask Kurt Hansen to come And Kurt's going to share all how words from his dad encouraged him when he lost his mum. Thanks, Kurt. Amazing. Thank you, Pastor Paul. Hello, everyone. Happy Father's Day at Central and at South. Happy Father's Day. It's good to be here. Um, But I just have the absolute privilege of getting up here and just sharing some of my story and how good God has been in my life. Uh, Despite my circumstance, he has come through for me time and time again. And I can truly, I'm, I'm standing here because God, he got me and he, he just loved me with everything. And, and yeah, it's just been amazing. And I've just got it on my heart this morning that if Father's Day is a hard day for you, that he just wants you to know that he loves you. Uh, no matter where you find yourself, whatever circumstance you've, you've had to face that, oh, wow, he is for you. Yeah, in incredible ways. But I'm just going to share a little bit of my story 
And um, I grew up in an amazing family. I had a, a yeah, loving family, two awesome sisters. Um, they're incredible. Uh, and two amazing parents. And uh, when I was eight years old, my mum was involved in a, in a pretty big accident and she passed away. Uh, and I'm going to do my best not to cry. Um, who knows it takes a real man not to cry. <laughs> um, but my mum was amazing. She loved Jesus with all her heart. She served uh, people with such a joy. Um, I've never seen a funeral that was overflowing. Um, her, she was just an incredible lady. And um, but it was those times after the accident. I was eight year old. I was an eight year old. I didn't really know what to do. But I uh, we moved in with my auntie and uncle. And um, these nights are what shaped me and kept me kept me close to God. And little did I know, this is what I love is the character of God. That even in my in my darkest moments, he would be planting seeds of hope because uh, he knew that one day I'd grow up and I'd have these big questions, I'd, I'd have these whys, but he was so good. He was so good that he would give me these words to, to cling on to when those times got tough. And these words were through my father. And every night before we went to bed, uh, we all slept in the same room for a little while. And um, he would always say to us before we went to sleep, uh, it was words like, mum is safe in heaven with God. She's sitting next to God. And Words like, we will see her again, and this, that was amazing. And then my favorite one that Dad always used to say was, one day in heaven is like 100 years here on earth. And I just used to love that because I'm like, Mum is not missing me. It must only be like 9 o'clock in, in heaven right now. And she got there at 6 a.m., so I, I'm, she's not missing me too much. Um, and even at this time, it, it, I was just, I remember being so pointed to this verse in Jeremiah 29:11, and it, it's, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for good and not for a disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And I love that, that God saw that. I, he saw my future, and it was filled with, with greatness. He's been so good to me. I'm married to the most amazing lady. I've been blessed. And God knew this, that he would give me this, this foundation um, at this time, because as I did grow older, as I got into my teenage years, 15, 16, and up to, up to 21, that I would ask why, and it was hard. It was always questions like, why God? Why me? Why my family? Why do I have to watch my mates go and see their mum? And these questions got bigger and bigger, but still I was, I was drawn back to this, this hope that my dad had instilled in me. And man, it's kept me. And um, yeah, yeah. I'll just finish with this verse in Isaiah 40, 31. And it goes, uh, but, for, but those whose hope is in the Lord will renew their strength. And I love this. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. And they will walk and not grow faint. Our God is so good. He's so intentional. And I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you've had to endure. But just know that he loves you. And man, he has got a story of hope for you. He's going to do some incredible things in your life. Thank you. Thanks, God. Wonderful. And by the way, Kurt, it takes an unreal man not to quite cry. I think we're in a world, and I'm, I'm just honest with the pathway, I think we're taught so much stuff that's so false. You know, all of us are human beings, and we're all on a journey. As soon as you find somebody who pretends to have it all together, that's exactly what they're doing. God needs us to understand He's with us. There are numbers of people here today, maybe you've never personally had a relationship with God. You've seen God as a religious icon. In fact, a lot of people see God as the Godfather. 
He's just waiting to strike, if you were to cross the line. Even a lot of Christians still view God as a Godfather. He's the go-to person. Rather than know he's Father God. He's the God that cares enough about you to let you know how much he loves you and how life works for you. And so therefore, he's going to father you. You can't love your child if you're not prepared at times to discipline them correctly. You remove the, the understandings that you need to understand, then you go haywire. And today, as I bring this to a close or to a land, I, I want you to know that God says, I believe in you. <laughs> and maybe we're going to go home going, God, you believe in me. Because you can't begin to believe in others until you know you're believed in. Hey, I'm, I'm proud of you, but God, if you look at my track record, no, I'm proud of you. I'm proud of who I created you to be. I'm proud of where you're going. You're not going to stay there. I, I want you just to be obedient. You don't have to work your way up. You're just going to be obedient. I love you. My love for you is not conditional. It's not based on your performance or anything else. I forgive you. And by the way, I'm with you. I'm with you. And today I'd love to pray for you if you're here in a few moments and you go, you know what, Paul, I need some help. Well, that's what we are all like. We need the help of heaven. <laughs> and I'm with you. We were in L.A. on Wednesday night speaking and uh, we had a group of pastors come to the meeting and they wanted to catch up with me and have some time around supper, which was fine. We do that when we travel. We just love meeting with whoever wants some time and and so this, I didn't know this was happening, but we went in one car and there were some other cars that were going and these pastors were going to follow to the hotel we're going to have supper in. And uh, we took off, got to the place and it's like, well, where's this other couple? We, we don't know. So they got on the phone. This is what had happened is uh, they took off and uh, they were finding, they were following to get to the, the restaurant only to discover uh, later on that the car they were following was not the right car. But let me turn it around because that car was driven by the pastor's wife with their 16-year-old daughter who was learning to drive. So she was driving home in the dark back to their place to be dropped off. And then the wife was going to come and meet us. But they didn't know who was behind them. So as they take off from church and start to go towards home, the 16-year-old girl gets nervous and says, Mom, there's a whole lot of lights right behind us. And she looked around and this car was following them. So they began to speed up. Mum saying to the trainee driver, go faster, just like your dad. So they're speeding up and they're going for it. It's like, okay, now turn your indicator on left and go right. Good training for a 16-year-old, only in America. And then they thought, well, we don't want to go home because we're being tailed. So panic started to strike. So where's the police station? We've got to get to the police station. On their way to the police station, they slow down and the lights go red and it's kind of dark and dingy. But mum, she's a bit of a fiery one. Her name's Rachel. Yes, you are, Rachel. You're fiery. She gets out of the car and she's going to go to the driver just to take him on and see what happens. Only to discover there's this elderly couple close to 70. And she looks through... And the, 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 the pastor's freaking out because they've had to break every law in the land to stay connected. <laughs> so they tell us a story. We fall off the chair laughing. My thought today is this. Do you know who's on your bumper? Do you know who's following you? 
You think God's angry with you. He's not angry with you. You need a father's heart. You're going to raise children. They need a father's heart. They need someone that says, I believe in you. I'm proud of you. I love you. I forgive you. I'm with you. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Life. If you have questions or want to contact someone about this message, visit lifenz.org. 